The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. MLB show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 234 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Fedorsky, and the last full week of the MLB regular season is uh, coming up ahead. Very small slate of games this Monday. Um, which is ironic because like for me, at least for work, like work was quiet today because there's so many Jewish people like ourselves in the entertainment industry fasting. Um, not a lot of Jews in baseball. In fact, we can probably count them on one hand. So the fact that there's so, so many games, so few games today. Hey, I'm going to spin zone this when I give credit to Rob. I, I actually think strategically there aren't a lot of games on this day. So in event of like today's Yankees Diamondbacks game uh, is, just, is a makeup of a rained out i think today was the last day on the schedule rob tried to keep it light uh, in the event that there were more important games needed to be make up made up this time far down the road so that's probably the rational answer which is correct but my spin zone is going to be rob knows his jewish audience and he knew that a lot of us were going to be in temple not me and you but a lot of us um and didn't want to have a lot of baseball today hey it's only 11 30 here i still got time I can I'm, blow watch, I'm, I'm watching this yankee game this was the saturday rain out um, which I actually had tickets to would have been my last game of the year. I think there's like 27 people at this game. And that, and that may be generously speaking, but I digress. Um, as I said, last week of the baseball season, a lot of playoff races are coming absolutely down to the wire. So I'm very, very interested to see how those go. Uh, AL West is undecided yet. Really the AL playoff field is pretty undecided. Uh, and a wild card is coming to a head. Um, so there is a lot of meaningful baseball to be played the last week of the regular season here. As always, we will start with our BovadaSportsbook.com pick of the week. And the Mariners right now have a three-game set versus the Astros. If you look at the AL playoff field, the Mariners, Astros, Rangers are all are all cluttered together. Two are going to get in. One's going to win the division. One's likely going to be the wild card. They're competing with the Blue Jays um, for that playoff spot as well. So this week, uh, this that series kicks off tonight with a absolutely fantastic pitching matchup. Um, Justin Verlander and Luis Castillo, both teams' aces, facing off in Seattle. Good late-night baseball game for us. Uh, and we got Snell and Webb. So, you know, given that there's only four games today, two are pretty outstanding pitching matchups. Austin Wells with a two-run homer for the Yanks, his second of his big league career off Merrill Kelly. Um, but let's pick that Verlander-Castillo game. Uh, plus one and a half, minus 205, plus 110 for the Astros. Minus one and a half, plus 168, minus 130 for the Mariners. Over under seven and a half. Well, Chase, I don't know how close you're paying attention to the fantasy baseball playoffs. Oh, and congratulations to you for reaching the championship. Congrats are in order. So, thank you, thank you, thank proof you. What happens, proof what happens, and to all you baseball owners listening out here, you could turn it around in one year with some competent ownership. It's all you need. Yeah, um, but on that note, I have Luis Castillo, and the team I'm playing in the finals has Justin Berliner. So, I have a lot riding on this game. Uh, 
And I just got to go with my guy. Give me Castillo and give me an alter under Astros two and a half runs. I think the Mariners are going to win this game, but I'm going to pull a page out of your playbook real quick. I'm going to go Astros plus 110 in a very low scoring game only because they just got embarrassed and got swept by the Royals. Um, and I think the Astros are really desperate for a win right now. So I'm going to say it's Astros, like a- they, I mean, we'll talk, touch on it in the standings. This is the most important series of the season. Yeah. I think this is going to be like a three, two, two, one game. Both starters go seven innings. Quality starts about, but, uh, I like the Astros to win. And, uh, Let's humor ourselves, man. Snell and Webb, Padres, Giants. Giants are all but out at this point. Uh, Padres are I, – I, have they officially been mathematically eliminated yet? I don't think the answer is yes. The hottest team in baseball, San Diego Padres? Correct. So, Snell on the mound. I mean, Snell is going to be our player of the week. Um, unfortunately, as soon as me and you went on Bavada and took Justin Steele to win the Cy Young, the wheels fell off. <laughs> <laughs> they fell off, but it, I, it was the right bet at the time. No, it was the right value. I mean, Snell, this is the icing on the cake of the Cy Young season. Um, it's minus one half, plus 142, minus 118 for the Padres, plus one and a half, minus 176, plus 100 for the Giants. Look, they didn't hit it all in Snell's last start, the Padres, which is my only hesitancy, but they've been so hot. Um, they've won, I think, nine of their past 10, won eight in a row, and then I think split a doubleheader yesterday uh, or lost Saturday, won Sunday. Saturday, won Sunday. So this Giants team, again, said it last week, very unexciting. Blew a couple big games last week. I mean, Webb is great, but Snell's just pitching on another level right now. He, he's having one of those runs that we're going to remember forever. So give me Padres minus one half plus 142. I can't bet against my Padres anymore. I can't bet against Snell. Um, so I, throw, I would throw a fun – the fun bet here is you just take – two of the three Padres guys if Machado plays and bet on the same game all the park. Some combination of Soto, Matisse, Machado, Bogarts, there, two of them all. So round robin the shit out of the guys. All right, let's go to the standings. Uh, we're going to incorporate some picks in the standings for the first time, maybe ever. Um, Orioles, two and a half games up on the Rays, 97-59, 95-62 there. Uh, Blue Jays, 10 back, 87-69. Yanks officially eliminated from postseason for the first time since 2016, 78-77. and 77. Red Sox rounding out the division there. Uh, one thing I will say for the Yanks, and it's not just me being a homer, I was able to put three separate Yanks in the players of the week this week. Uh, and in my opinion, they're all deserving. So that's cool. If nothing else, a silver lining of the week. Uh, <laughs> let's see how you got. Let's see how you got there. Then, I mean, then okay. the, the the spark notes is a seven inning, one run, thirteen K performance, a pitcher wrapping up the Cy Young with a two hit performance, and a three homer performance. Those usually make player of the week. So not me being a homer on this one. Um, you know what? Let's just go run through the standings, and then we'll do an overall league for both just because i think it's easier to do it that way uh twins locked up the central um they did it on friday in a i have this here somewhere eight six win over the angels uh 83 and 73 nine and a half up on the guardians tigers white Sox, royals rounding out division there again this division hasn't been exciting in months and months and months um but the more i think of it again the more i watch them sunny gray is going to probably finish third in the cy young vote um, I think it'll be him and Castillo two, three, whatever order you want to put them in. I'm pretty indifferent. 
Um, Castillo, Pablo, or sorry, Sonny Gray, Pablo Lopez, Joe Ryan, and Maeda. I, this Twins team, I think this is the year they win some playoff games. I don't know if they win a playoff series, but they win some playoff games. Um, and then in the AL West, we have the Rangers in first coming off of a huge series this weekend um, against the Mariners, I believe, right? Yes. They're two and a half up on the Strohs. Mariners are three back. Um, Angels are 17 and a half back. A's rounding out the division there. And then if you look at the wild card race, Tampa uh, has the first wild card. They're nine and a half up on the Blue Jays, who are two up on the Astros. And right now at a half a game out, the Mariners are on the outside looking in. So right now, um, they do have a to make the playoffs prop uh, on Bavada. It's Mariners minus 130. Rangers minus 7,000 Astros minus 125. And who do you think will be the sixth seed? So again, there is a little bit of gamesmanship here because um, there's a world that maybe they have the blue Jays for the five seed. So you have to keep that in mind. Um, it's Astros plus 120 Mariners plus 150 blue Jays plus 550 Rangers plus 850. All that said, let's look in the American league. Let's start in the East, uh, especially in light of the Brandon Lowe injury. He's going to be out for the year. He fractures kneecap. He's out four to six weeks. I'm going with the Orioles. Another time. another uh, fallen soldier for the fantasy team. We keep yeah, on I mean, you're GM of the year because you'll be going into the championship with that, what, Scherzer, Otani, Machado, if he gets the elbow surgery, and Brandon Lowe? Scherzer. We lost Lowe, Machado, Otani, Scherzer, and we've just kept Edmund Diaz on the roster uh, since the draft. Good for you for overcoming adversity. That's going to be your autobiography, overcoming adversity with Bryce Holden. And then finding more and more adversity. Also, I'm not going to argue that. Um, do you have the Orioles or the Rays winning the East? I think the Orioles hold on. Orioles. I think it's a, 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 the team. They're probably like a coin flip difference between the teams, but at this point, they're not going to blow this. It's too too late in the season. They're also just getting random contributions. Like Ryan Mountcastle went on the injured list, and Ryan O'Hearn at one point had a hit in seven straight at bats last week. Um, that and, and and I do think they have a legit ace. Kyle Bradish, I'm all on the Kyle Bradish bandwagon. He threw 22 scoreless innings against the Astros this year. Um, I think five or six of which were last week. This guy's good. He he has number one type stuff. So we're going with the Orioles in the East and then pick two of three, or I guess three of four. Let's loop the Blue Jays in here. How do you think this all shakes out? I, I think the Blue Jays maintain that second wild card spot. I, I, th- I think. Vlad's hitting again. Who does Houston end the season with? Um, I'd have to take a look. Give me one second. I got to double check that one. It's right now. It's three against the Mariners, and then they have three against the D-backs. I think Houston's going to get bounced. And then the Mariners have the – well, the Mariners have the Astros and the Rangers. I think the, I think the Mariners are going to play well. I think the Mariners are going to sweep the Astros and win one or two – or then go one or two against Texas. So, okay, do we both agree? I think the Rangers are going to win the West. I just think they have – getting this year – the Angels – I again, just like every week now, I'm wearing my Angels jersey, my Angels visor. The Angels were 56-51 and 51 on July 31st. They ended the season – after going all in, they ended the season 14-35. and 35. They're fucking awful. So I think the Rangers just cruise through this Anaheim series and get through the. I agree with you. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, look, could I see the Astros getting bounced? Yes, it's just hard for me to say it because it's the Astros. I mean, it, it comes down to this series against it, it all comes down to this. I think whoever wins this battle of the aces tonight makes the playoffs. That's my final verdict. What do you think of that? Um, again, I'm honestly, it's for me, it's all about the uh, that fantasy implications. It's a four game set between Seattle and Texas to wind up 10 the season. Keep that in mind. It's four games. Yeah. I mean, if the Rangers take care of business against the Angels, they just basically need to split that to lock up the division. Yeah. Unless Nash- Houston wins. It's it's interesting, but I would say Texas is the two. I would go Texas, Seattle. Texas two, Tampa four, Seattle, Toronto five, Seattle six. National League Braves 156, 13 up on the Phillies at 87, 69. Marlins 81 and 75, 19 back. Mets, Nets rounding out the division there. Brewers, it's amazing. It felt like the Central was really close for a while until it wasn't. It feels like once the calendar hit August, the Brewers kind of ran away with this thing. Uh, they clinched the division in a 16-1 win over the Marlins. Um, Yelich hit two home runs. And Rowdy Telez, the big right hand, big left-handed first baseman, actually closed it out for them, making some history there. Uh, Cubs, six game back, still in the playoff race. Reds as well at 80-77. Pirates, Cardinals rounding out the division there. Real quick, I, this is just an aside, but the Pirates are 74-82. and 82. So if they split the rest of the way, um, they finish with 77, 78 wins. I, I know that's not what Pirates fans were expecting given the start of the season, but I still think if the Pirates win 77 games this year, it's a successful season for the Pirates. Like when you think of what we, everyone, us included, thought they were going to be coming into the year. It is, but it's tough to call out a success when the Reds are just going to do the, the Reds are going to do the next step of what the Pirates are doing. And we, we had them both the two of the worst teams in the NFL. Yeah, I think the Reds just have more exciting players. Um, Dodgers, 96 and 59. Daniel Cruz getting back. That's true. That's true. It's those Cruz shortstops. Uh, Dodgers, 96 and 59, 14 up on D-backs. Padres still hanging around, 77 and 59. Have actually hopped the Giants um, based on tiebreaker winning percentage and then the Rockies in last place there. Um, all right, National League. Right now it goes Braves, Dodgers, Brewers, um, I, I feel like we could pretty safely at this point, at least in my opinion, pencil the Phillies in as our Bavada pick for the first wild card, right? Yep. They're five up on the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks are a half game up on the Cubs. Marlins are a game back. Um, Reds are two and a half back. Padres and, and Giants are five back and are still mathematically in there. They won't both be after tonight, maybe. Or- so here's so here's why I think that these are going to be, although the Diamondbacks end with the Astros, but then they have three against the White Sox, so that's not too tough. I just think this is going to end up being how it is for the wild card, uh, and I'm going to bleed into the injuries a little bit here. The Cubs got Stroman back in their rotation, which I think is a big addition to them. Phillies off in their own tier. I I, I loop the Phillies much more in with the three division winners than I do these wild card teams. Yep. And then again, the D-backs, we finally saw Zach Gowan win a game on the road, six scoreless. Of course, it was at Yankee Stadium, but he is a Jersey boy, so we'll give him the hometown boost there. I I just think the Marlins right now, Yuri Perez was just placed on the injured list. Sandy, unfortunately, I I mean, we'll cover this more extensively in the injury section, but Sandy's not going to pitch again this year. I just don't know if they're going to have enough firepower to pull this off. Um, So it's almost, I don't think the D-backs are necessarily going to be in because of how good their team is. I just think they still have Gallon, they still have Kelly. 
they're just in better shape right now health-wise than the Marlins. It's just tough to see the Marlins winning games at this point. Do you think who I, I think the Reds are almost too far back now, even though they're not too far back at all. The three game set against Chicago, I think the Diamondbacks need to win three more games. I think three more games, they should be in the playoffs. So what number is that? I just uh, they would be that would get them to eighty five. If the Cubs, yeah. Yeah, 85 seems like the, the number to get in. So I'm just looking for three more wins out of the Diamondbacks and the Cubs. And then I can see the Marlins. The Marlins kind of sucks. I, I just don't see it. They, they came up huge for me yesterday. You know, what, you know what the problem is ultimately with Sandy and Yuri Perez back out? We're now talking about a Marlins team that will need to be carried by their offense. And the offense since the trade deadline, I mean, Jake Berger and Josh Bell have hit the shit out of the ball since they went to Miami. Solaire's doing Solaire, Arias is doing Arias. It's just when was the last time – it's honestly been 20 years, I would say, since they won that World Series. And even then, the pitching staff was very good, where we've said the Marlins would be carried by their offense. And that, to me, kind of sums up why we think the playoff field is going to remain the same. But they had Beckett and D-Train. Beckett and D-Train were sick. No, they had a very good pitching staff. They had Beckett, D-Train, uh, Brad Penny, public enemy number one, Carl Pavano, but uh, but then I'll, I'll give yeah, you that, that 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 pitching staff is way different than this current. Pitching oh, staff. I agree. But their offense, for whatever it's worth, sorry to go on a tangent here. Um, first ballot Hall of Famer Ivan Rodriguez, Mike Lowell, Luis Castillo, who could you know the fielding, notwithstanding in New York, good ball player. Talk about fielding. Talk about offense. Derek Lee, Juan Pierre, Miggy, and Conine. Good lineup. Going through it, it does make that 3 World Series loss a lot more palatable. Oh, it's one where you look back in hindsight, especially knowing what Miggy became, where you're like, yeah, we should have won, but that was a good team. There wasn't – I mean, it was a fluke in the grand scheme of things, but match up game by game, not a fluke. That, uh, that roster holds up. So with one league to go, we will see and be able to tell you guys next week who the playoff teams are in Major League Baseball. Um, and we will do one last regular season league leaders. We'll also go through if any races are coming down to the wire. Uh, run scored 143 runs. Ronald ran away with this. Hits Ronald 210, seven up on Freddie. He had a history making week. Locked up in the end. Ryan's get to 200 hits. He's at 202. Three guys with 200 hits this year. Uh, Julio's to show the gap between the NL and the AL, those three guys have 200. Julio's leading the AL at 179. And I think all of those came in a week, right? Basically. Uh, Freddie, 57 doubles. That's locked up. Triples race could come down to the wire. Corbin Carroll, Gunnar Henderson, Cattell Marte, and Bobby Witt. We need to tweet at Jason Stark and see when, if ever, in baseball history, have two rookies tied for the league in triples. That's a good one. Right? Uh, Olsen, 53 homers. That's in the bag. Olsen, 133 ribbies. That's in the bag. Uh, walks, uh, 153 ribbies, 133 ribbies. Sorry. Still a huge number. Uh, walks, Soto, Schwarber, three apart. That'll come down to the wire. Strikeout, Schwarber's four up on Eugenio Suarez. That will also probably come down to the wire. Ronald, three up on steals with Estuary Ruiz with 68. At this point, Arise probably got the batting title locked up, 353. Um, Acuna. 415 OBP. Mookie's at 410. Shohei was done for the year, obviously, at 412. Shohei, 454 slugging. Corey Seager's at 645 uh, and may catch him. 
Corey Seager's been unbelievable. I like, is- I I don't think it'll happen, but there there's gonna be fun arguments for Seager when we run out of content. First time, season. first time that uh, AL West has one, two, three in the MVP vote. You think? Um, to me, it's actually a pretty clear one, two, three. Yeah, it's pretty. And honestly, I think Simeon's gonna end up fourth. My guy. I'll do some thinking on it, and then I'll get back. All right, and then uh, OPS Otani one point oh six six again. Seager on his tail. Uh, 1.039 there. Um, all right, let's talk about uh, our players of the week. So we placed, or at least I bet on some players to win the MVP on Bavada before the year. Um, my AL MVP pick of Shohei Otani, which I also threw with, I think, Bo Bichette, is going to cash. Congrats to me. Uh, my NL MVP pick for Trey Turner would have cashed if we only looked at the season uh, from August 1st on or August 4th onwards. Um, but if you took Ronald Acuna Jr. to win the MVP, congratulations to you. Because, uh, again, we, we we talked about last week. There was a couple months stretch where – or a couple weeks, I should really say, where it seemed like Mookie caught him. And Mookie is going to have one of the better non-MVP seasons in recent memory for sure. But this week, Ronald absolutely wrapped it up, uh, in my opinion at least, by becoming the sixth member ever of the four, or sorry, the fifth member ever of the uh, 40-40 club in baseball history. And he also had the first 40-60 season in baseball history. Um, he's two steals away from a 40-70 season. He joins Conseco, Bonds, A-Rod, and Soriano as the 40-40 uh, guys. To put into perspective, though, and I know the base pass bases are what they are this year, but the previous high for a 40-40 season in terms of steals was A-Rod in 46. Or A-Rod had 46. So if you're assuming that he's going to get to 70, that beats that by at least 24. Uh, Cunha joined Eric Davis as Bonds as the only players in the 30-50 club. Uh, before this year, no player had collected more than 52 steals during a 30-homer season. Uh, I have some more Cunha stats, but uh, do you want me to keep going or do you want to weigh in on the 40-40 part? It's not just, I mean, the 40-40 in itself is incredible, but he's blowing fire. He's just clearing the the steals part. Yeah, it's 40-70, plus he's hitting 330, plus he led baseball and hits. It's like plus-plus. Um, 140 runs scored hasn't been done since 2007 when A-Rod won the MVP. Um they you texted me this week. Is he having the best season ever? I don't know if it's the best season ever, but I think it's going to be an all-time great season. Um, there's only been 1,540 season, 140 run seasons between 1993, or excuse me, from 1939 onwards. Uh, him and Ty Cobb are the only player in baseball history with 70 plus, 75 plus extra base hits and 60 plus steals in the same season. Um, and he has the most games since at least 1901 uh, with multiple home runs and multiple steals in a game. Good for it. I mean, this is it, – it's almost like he was due for an MVP at some point. You saw that talent. It was going to happen for him eventually. Correct. But it's not like, this, it not like this came out of nowhere. For him to put it together this way with the bigger bases and really making the most of it, um, awesome to watch. He's probably he's, – if contracts being equal, would the would you rather him or Otani? I'd still rather have Otani, just because. Again, I, I, I there's a world where I think Otani could do 
maybe not all what Acuna has done this year, but if he was just a hitter, I, I do genuinely think he's a 40-40 caliber guy. Um, but I'd just rather have the fewer steal. Again, any any pitching you get out of Otani is gravy. Yeah, but I think Acuna has cemented himself as the best. He's the best hitter. He's the best. He's the best position player in baseball. I would take him over Mookie Betts. Well, see, it almost sounds dumb because I would give Acuna the MVP, but I would still say if you're factoring in everything in position player, I would still say Mookie is the best position player because he could be a Gold Glove infielder and outfielder. Um, Every time Acuna gets on first, he's almost a guaranteed to be on second. No, I get it. Again, it sounds dumb as I'm saying that coming out of my mouth, but. Mookie had his run. He had his chance to get him. But once the numbers started getting, once he gets the 70 benchmark, it's going to be. No, again, what what locked this up for Acuna, I think, ultimately, is once you hit historic numbers, like once we are uttering the phrase has never been done before or has not been done since Ty Cobb in 1911, it's 112 years ago. Um, Yeah, some time has passed since Ty Cobb. And Ty Cobb is a bad guy. Not a good guy. Good good movie, though. Tommy Lee Jones playing him. Tommy Lee Jones, good actor. Yeah, good actor. Uh, let's talk about the captain, the first of the three Yankees to make the players of the week. Aaron Judge in a 7-1 win versus D-backs Friday. Uh, three homers, all to the opposite way. It's his second time in a calendar month, came a month of the day, that he had two three-homer games uh, for the New York Yankees. His homers fi- uh, Friday covered 1,182 feet, more than four New York City blocks. Uh, Judge this year is at, I'm going to pull the exact number up so I don't screw this up. Judges at 35 homers. He's on baseball reference war at 4.2 war and only um, 351 at bats. He missed, again, 50 games this year. He missed 50 games and he is still, where is he at? He doesn't qualify. So he's, he would be fifth in OPS had he qualified. Uh, but home runs where it doesn't matter. He's still going to finish fourth in the league in home runs. Um, would have been on a 57 home run pace had he stayed healthy. All I could say is thanks for making baseball fun the last month, Aaron. And uh, a big what if, if the Dodgers just had a padded outfield. The judge, Pat, what do you, Chase, can you set an over under on judge career homers for me? Um, he's got what, eight years left on this deal? Yeah. And he's a two, I'd set it at 500. Because he's at 255 right now. If he averages 30 home runs a season in the next eight years, that's 240. That puts him right at 500. So I'd put the over-under at 500. But all that said, unless his career completely falls off, like he'd be a guy who I think, given the strong defense, captain of the Yankee, has the MVP, has the 62 homer year, I don't think he necessarily needs to get to 500 to be a Hall of Famer. What about this question? Who ends their career with more homers, Stanton or Judge? I think Judge. I Stan just looks done. Well, Stan's got a bunch of years left too, right? Stanton has, I think it's 24, 5, 6, 7. Because Sherman wrote an article on the post this week just saying, at what point is Hal going to just eat the money? He thinks it's we're not he thinks we are not at that point yet, but uh, to answer the question. I don't think I, I don't think you can eat a hundred million dollars worth of Jack Carlson. But I think the year after you sure can. The judge, the judge power numbers. He's it's it's awesome to watch. He's when he gets in these zones. Every time he's up, you think. I was gonna say it comes in bunches. We saw it last year. We've seen it this year. You know they'll have two. He might have a week or two where he has no home runs, but then he might have a week where he's eight or nine. 
when healthy, he's that good. It just all comes down to him staying healthy. And he's not the MVP, and he shouldn't even be mentioned in the MVP. But if you go by most valuable, this Yankees team cannot play without him. And it's, again, just for anyone who goes, oh, this year with the judge injury prone, there's nothing this year that makes me think he's injury prone. There was not one soft tissue issue. There was not one sprained angle because he's so big. He right all out, made a great catch, and banged his toe into a wall. It was as freak of a play as it gets. Like, from a health standpoint in year one of the big contract, it was great as a Yankee fan. Yeah. Yeah, He did his – I mean, it, this was a very disappointing season for Yankee fans. But the bright spots were Cole and Judge, which is what you want, what you'd expect. All right. So before I do Garrett and Snell, because I think they're both going to win the Cy Young, um, who would be – who of the two of them, in your opinion, has the higher Bavada odds of being a unanimous Cy Young winner? Um, Good question. I'm almost going to say I Garrett, think, even though I, I think, think Snell's Garrett, had a better year. I think it's Garrett, unless if Castillo does something. Unless if Castillo has two shutout starts this week and pulls the Mariners in the first place in the NOS. I think it's also Garrett, just because even though I think Snell's having a better season overall, and I'll, I'll get to this in a second, um, it also just seems like, like how many weeks have you and I got on this podcast and say, how are still people talking about Strider? Like, Strider is a 380 RA. Gallon can't win on the road this week, notwithstanding. It feels like there's for a lot of the NL pitchers, which ironically, it wasn't for Justin Steele, it was for the other two, but they're trying to create narratives for those other guys. I think Garrett firmly has the narrative in the AL, which I think has goes a long way of like, all right, the Yankees sucked, but in spite of that, this guy went out and won his first Cy Young award. People just don't like Snell, and it's not really his fault. He doesn't go deep into games. It's very easy to knock Snell from that standpoint. If you want the Cy Young to be the best pitcher in the league, you would reasonably assume he's going deep. He's going 8-9. He's going – I mean, he went 7 this week, so it kind of went down my stat here. But he went – he doesn't go past the – he pitched – I think I saw a stat. He's going like 7 innings past 6 innings this year. I think it's 3. I think he's gone 3 innings. He's pitched 3 innings past the 6 this year. It's the idea of dominance versus longevity. Um, all right, I'll do Garrett quick because that's a little bit of a closer one. I was at Yankee Stadium Thursday. Um, I said, this is going to be my last game of the year. I had tickets Saturday. I wasn't going to go regardless. I said, let me end with Garrett. You've probably rarely ever heard me say this, at least in a non-joking manner, because I haven't said it a lot. It felt like Garrett was going to throw a perfect game Thursday. Uh, he was perfect through five and a third, but after three innings, it just had that feel. Um, he ended the year eight innings, no walks, two hits, one run, nine strikeouts, threw a wild pitch for a run because the dumb fucks in the bleacher started a wave. Whatever. Um, and if he the season ended today, only American League pitcher with 200 innings, lead the leagues in leads the league in ERA, innings pitch, starts, and whip. Um, strikeouts, 200 plus, wins. He's in the top three. And again, we've said this, it's almost bizarre with Garrett because, you know, again, compared to his peers, this is one of his most dominant years. It's so far from, I think, the best we've ever seen out of Garrett Cole. Um, but just to wrap this up in a bow, you know, I think Yanks first Cy Young winner in 22 years. And to to harbor back to a conversation we had in the offseason, top 10 starters when you and I put our list together, neither of us named Garrett and neither of us even stopped to think, oh, we forgot Garrett. Yeah, I remember that. That was a low moment for the podcast. 
Flip the narrative, though. I mean, the, the home runs killed them this year. Hasn't been crushed by the long ball. And really, I would just say the biggest thing I've seen is I just think, and probably part of it is because he's pitching so well, but it just seems like he's emotionally matured on the mound and as a leader where he doesn't get the little errors or, you know, the the dumb shit that happens in baseball get to him as much and leads to blowups. He's, again, he and Judge have played up to the contract when they're on the field. That's what you expect when you give a guy $45 million to start. This is the type of performance we should – this is the Garrett Cole – this is what this is why he's on the team and why he gets as much money as he does. Um, but like you you said it this this was an unbelievable this is a great season. He's going to deserve the Cy Young. He's been the best pitcher in the AL. But this this is not this is not Garrett Cole 2019. No, he takes the you got him and you got the you got the peak performance. You got the you got the finishing touch on. What, what, is that going to be his last start? Is he going to throw him out again? Or? Maybe he'll pitch one more, but I think it's up to him, really. Like, so you got that, and that's what you want from him every single time out. And, you know, it is what it is. This was a bad down year for the whole team, not Garrett's fault. But he'll win the Scion. Again, he'll, and it'll be good. He'll win. So speaking of perfect, so speaking of perfect games, Blake Snell uh, threw seven no-hit innings, uh, 104 pitches, uh, against the Rockies in a two nothing victory. It was a nothing nothing game when he left. Um, the no hitter was broken up in the ninth off a of Brandon Rogers single. Uh, but Xander Bogarts hit a walk off two run homer. Uh, Snell lowered his major league leading ERA to two three three. Um, and his last two starts held the Dodgers scoreless in Los Angeles. Then he held the Rockies without a hit for seven frames Tuesday. 10 strikeouts, 23 whiffs on 43 swings. Uh, the last four months over his 22 start stretch, a 1-2-6 ERA and has allowed 19 runs. Uh, he leads the league in ERA opponents average against hits per nine and a second in strikeouts at 227. Everyone talks about the walks. Yes, you can't ignore the fact that he leads the league in walks. When he's walked three or more hitters in a start, which he's done 22 times, um, he's allowed 25 earned runs total in those starts. He's the first pitcher with 160 plus strikeouts and fewer than 20 runs allowed in a 22 game span. Uh, and in that span, 19 runs and 179 strikeouts. And in his last 39 at bats, um, he is not allowed a hit, which he hasn't done since he did himself in August, September of 2021. To me, the only comparison I have for this in terms of a stretch of dominance is Arietta in 2015. And this and this feels like it might be more dominant because, again, Arietta had a great summer. 22 starts now. I mean, you're talking the majority of the season has been this. It's – yeah, he's really – but the, I, the the main difference is Arietta did it on a, Cup, on a Cubs team on the upswing, and now Snell's pitching on a Padres team that's as expensive as any in the league and under 500. One of the only times I would think, too, both Cy Young winners came from the arguably two biggest underachievers in each league. The two biggest underachievers, technically. I, I, but on the award run, I, I did the research. It happened recently, top three finishers in the ALS. So it's a trout year? Yeah, it's a trout year. I'm trying to go back. If you give me the year, I could probably give you the players. Oh, 19. Trout, Trout, Bregman. Yeah. 
And was it another? Is it Altuve or Jordan? No. Marcus? Your boy. Love him. I forget. You know, it's funny. I was doing it a, a sporkle the other day, and it was top three or five finishers in the MVP race since, I think, 2000 in the AL. And I was like, 2019 A's? Who the fuck is this? Simeon. Simeon's <laughs> going to just load up these top five MVP finishes. Yeah, I mean, this will be the 13 that he does it for if he gets there. Um, but no, Snell, Snell's been incredible, and, and it sets himself up for what is going to be a fascinating free agency, in my opinion. I don't think the Padres can let him walk. No, they need him. I mean, any team. He's going to put the Cy Young. Every team should want him. Every team should need him. Oh, of course. Um, all right, couple achievements this week. Miguel Cabrera, 16th uh, all-time on the hits list with 3,167, passing Mookie Betts. We have a heinous anecdote involving Miggy later in the show. Shout out to the city of Oakland. Uh, Mookie's 105 ribbies and counting. Don't the- blame the whole city of Oakland. Blame the fucking A's. 105 ribbies and counting, most ever for a leadoff hitter. Corbin Carroll, first rookie in baseball history with 25-plus home runs and 50-plus steals. Back-to-back weeks with Mike Clevenger. Um, rain shortened, but a complete game and a 3-2 win against the Red Sox yesterday. First starter uh, for the White Sox to go back-to-back since Giolito in May 2019. Um, he has now gone five straight starts and 139 consecutive hitters without a walk. Uh, Mike King, Blue Jays, seven innings, one earned. 13 strikeouts uh, in each of his last three starts. He struck out at least 40% of the batters he's faced while allowing no more than run uh, one run. Uh, no pitcher has had three such starts over his entire MLB career. Uh, and that is factored in by the fact that his team lost by five plus each time. Your boy Hunter green in the playoffs, big start uh, career high, 14 strikeouts over seven innings, one run against the twins. Uh, Green and King, it was the first time in the modern era since 1960 that two MLB pitchers struck out 13-plus batters and their teams lost on the same day. Fantasy teams doing well, but our wins for pitcher category, we, we get the worst luck ever. Multi-homer games this week, Nelson Velasquez versus Strohs, John Birdie versus the Brewers, Vlad Jr. versus the Rays, Marcus Simeon versus the Mariners, Christian Yelich versus the Marlins, Manny Machado versus the Cardinals, Brandon Jury versus the Rays, Mark Vientos versus the Marlins, Nick Castellanos versus the Braves, Acuna versus the Phillies, and Austin Hayes versus the Astros. And Vlad, I am laying down the gauntlet. If you get six ribbies this week and, let's say, hit two home runs and you finish at 28 home runs and 100 RBIs, I will say the season was disappointing for you, um, but I would label it a success if you have a 26-homer, 100-ribby all-star season. I am laying down the gauntlet, Vlad Jr. Let's see what you do in the last week of the season. Good. He, every, all your commentary on Vlad has been boring. So do, you don't, don't feel like you have to apologize to Vlad. Thank you for validating my Vlad Jr. bashing all season. And again, maybe he proves me wrong, makes it a successful season in my eyes. Uh, we will see. Tie game in New York. Graza, big home run into an empty bleachers. That's always cool to see. Um, let's talk real quick about the face of baseball and the guy who edged out Vlad for the 2021 AL MVP, Shohei Otani. So he did get surgery this past week to address the UCL tear in his right elbow. Uh, the exact type of surgery, whether Tommy John or an internal brace, wasn't specified uh, by Dr. Neil Atrach. Um, but he did say the ultimate plan after deliberation with Shohei was to repair the issue at hand and to reinforce the healthy ligament in place while adding viable tissue for the longevity of the elbow. I expect a full recovery and he'll be ready to hit without any restrictions come opening day of 2024 and do both come 2025 hit and pitch. Shohei, who does not speak out often, did say on Instagram, 
Instagram. I had a procedure done on my elbow earlier this morning and everything went well. Thank you very much for everyone's prayers and kind words. It was very unfortunate. I couldn't finish out the year on the field, but I will be rooting on the boys until the very end. I will work as hard as I can to do my best to come back on the diamond stronger than ever. Go Halos. Tommy John, that procedure is pretty set at 13 to 15 months, uh, while brace procedures generally do have a shorter timeline. Um, again, it's possible information on Otani's pitching status might develop as he continues to rehab, um, but it was reported the final decision and type of procedure was made with a heavy emphasis on the big picture. Shohei wanted to make sure the direction taken gave him every opportunity to hit and pitch for many years to come. Um, in a very small sample in 2019, over 100 or 425 plate appearances where he was a DH only post Tommy John surgery, Shohei hit 286, 5.05 uh, with 18 homers. Um, and, and again, that was him not debuting uh, until May 7th. Um, he then only pitched one of the third innings in 2020. Obviously, the last couple of years has become the Otani face of game, global phenom, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all that said, without knowing the details, what would you say are the Bavada odds we see Otani in the lineup for whatever team he plays for opening day 2024? Uh, he's he's going to be in the lineup. I don't think you can give out that kind of money to him and have him on the bench. He, you're not no no team is bringing him in to be what the Angels are now. You're bringing him in to put to make your team a World Series. Can, I um, the words I'm debating are contender and favorite. You're not the, the Otani move doesn't isn't a half-ass move. It's an all-in move. So you got to get him ready to go right away. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's a get the only your- exception would be the Mets if they really are committed to this. Well, I guess it depends. If he was signing with a team that isn't necessarily a contender, it would be to put asses in seats um, while he's in the lineup. But at the same time, he's only going to sign with contenders, in my opinion. So there's that. Interested to see what happens. Or or the Angels. And I'm interested to see, or the Angels, just how much information comes out of this um, throughout the process. Because I have to think as we get closer and closer to his free agency, there's got to be more information publicly made as teams are digging into these medicals and, you know, trying to figure out what exactly that number is to offer a long time, whatever the record-breaking contract may be. I mean, it's a record. It'll be record-breaking no matter what. I, I just think you have to rush him in. He's way too exciting to keep on the job. I agree. All right, moving through the rest of the American League. Uh, Tigers last year hired Scott Harris to be the president of baseball operations. They announced this week that they've hired a new GM, 37-year-old Jeff Greenberg. Um, he'd worked with Scott Harris, the current president, as uh, with the Cubs, serving as the team's director of pro scouting, director of baseball ops, and assistant GM during an 11-year career there. Um, and then took an uncharacteristic career path. Uh, he was hired this past season from baseball entirely. Uh, he went to the Blackhawks. It was an associate GM there. It's going to be the number two for the Tigers. Uh, per the Tigers' press release, Greenberg oversaw the strategic systems and processes in hockey operations with the Blackhawks, while also having a hand in scouting and player development that vantage point and other sport figures to indeed bring some unique perspective to his new role with the Tigers organization. How were the Blackhawks the past year and change? Any good? Uh, Blackhawks have been uh, absolutely terrible of late. They had to trade away all their best players. And there's minor NHL conspiracy that the lottery, this past lottery was rigged for the Blackhawks to ensure that Connor Bedard, who is the best prospect since McDavid goes to Chicago. 
Okay, then. So we're not going to judge him on the Blackhawks stuff. Um, it sounds like it was almost like a Chaim Bloom for sale type of thing. Um, yeah. but, but when I hear Cubs uh, director of scouting, Cubs for the last decade or so pretty consistently had some prospects reach the major league level at a high level. Um, They're good now. Even if you go post the World Series run, I mean, you look at that team, Justin Steele, obviously, but Ian Habs made an all-star team. Uh, did Judge get all this? Did Judge get all this? Corbin Carroll just robbed Judge of a home run. Really nice catch there by the uh, future rookie of the year. Look, again, he's not going to be making the baseball decisions, but at the end of the day, I like that this guy has mixed experience. He has a rapport with Harris, which I think is report, uh, important. You know better than most having a rapport with Harris is important. and uh, Not easy, and it's important. At the end of the day, he was with the Cubs during a lot of winning years. So let's see what happens. I, I get Detroit. The best thing you Detroit fans can hang their hat on being in the AL Central. And Torkelson. Torkelson hit this year. And Riley Green pre-injury uh, looked pretty good too. Um, let's talk about the qualifying offer. So again, the qualifying offer is the average salary of the 125 highest paid players in the majors. It generally does increase year after year. And it's a one year deal that you can offer an impending free agent who has never previously received the qualifying offer and spent the entire 2023 season, uh, on the roster. Um, players tagged have five days to decide whether to accept their one year salary or decline in search of a free agent. And if you sign a player who rejected a qualifying offer, uh, it includes uh, forfeiting a draft choice and potentially international signing bonus space, depending on the club's revenue sharing status. Um, this year, 14 players received the offer Two accepted it. Jack Peterson and Martin Perez. Did you, did I send you this? What the number is for this year? That's like 20 and a half, 20 and a half million dollars on a one year deal. All of a sudden, as the qualifying offer goes up and up, I, I, I'm i interested to see what players get offered qualifying offers this year. Because, again, the no-doubt free agents are still going to get one. The Snell, the Cody Bellingers, the Aaron Nolas, I'm still going to loop into that because I think he gets a multi-year deal. Otani, obviously. But for the guys on the fringe where a team isn't necessarily sure, you know, whether or not they have them in the long-term goals and want another year to kind of figure it out, Twenty and a half million to figure something out is a lot of money for a one-year deal. So I think to me, this is the first year I look at the qualifying offer and I go, "Oh, this is going to change how the system plays out." In my opinion, I it was it was I'm sorry, it was Martin Perez and Jock Peterson. Correct. You don't, you don't want to be paying those guys twenty million dollars. That's a lot of money for those two. I still think it's a one-year deal, though. Worst comes to worst, you can trade them. I don't know how drastically this cha- makes a change, but it's a lot of money. I mean, the players hate the qualifying offer. Let's say yes or no if these players are going to get offered qualifying offers. Yeah. So, okay, like so here's a really interesting one for me. Um, like Bryce Harper has been doing great at first for the Phillies. Could be there long-term, but I think ideally they want him in the outfield. Does Reese Hoskins get a qualifying offer? Because in the past, this was a great spot for a guy hitting free agency. Like, think like how Brandon Belt got one. Like, that type of qualifying offer. Does Reese Hoskins get one? I I think in part it depends how the Philly season ends. Like, if the Phillies win the World Series without him, they probably just throw all their money at Nola and maybe give him the offer. But you don't want to be, you you don't want him to take that. Yeah, that's, I don't think, I don't think he gets the offer. I mean, I'm looking elsewhere. Second base, I don't see any. 
I think Matt Chapman gets one. Chapman, yeah. I mean, it's amazing that Tim Anderson's not going to get one, but uh, here we are. Bellinger gets one. I think given the second half of the season, T. Oscar gets one. Yeah. And looking at the rest of the outfielders, I mean, there's nobody else here I would give one to. I think, you know, Blackman and McCutcheon are kind of the same players, still productive, end of their career guys. Bader, had he stayed with the Yankees, I think would have been an interesting case. I wouldn't have given it to him. Um, Shohei gets one. I think after the year he had, J.D. Martinez gets one. He get, Yeah, I, I don't. They might, unless they work something out beforehand, like a two for 35. Yeah, and, and again, for the qualifying offer, you could still re-sign with your team. That that happened with Judge, Nemo, a couple other guys. Um, and then on the pitching side of things, Shohei again, unless they say, hey, don't make it the offer to me, I think Kershaw gets one, but he's going to decide where he goes. I don't think they Nola will get one. Snell will get one. If Eduardo Rodriguez opts out, I think he gets one, but I think he might have already gotten one with the Red Sox. Uh, I cannot recall. Before he signed with the Tigers, Giolito, no. Sonny Gray gets one for sure. Sonny Gray? Uh, I, I have a son. Can I, can I bring it back? I think I'm going to keep Sonny Gray in fantasy. Yeah, it's not a bad call. 16th round next year? Sonny Gray gets one. I think Jordan Montgomery gets one. Even can he? He was traded, but I think it's you only if you've been traded that season. Oh, not this season. Yeah, I forgot. All right, never mind for Montgomery. And then closers, uh, Hater definitely gets one. And then looking at the rest of this week, I can't believe I'm saying this after the April ad, but maybe Kimbrell gets one. I think Kimbrell gets when he takes it. I think ideally what the qualifying offer is for a lot of guys who would be on the fringe, you offer them the qualifying offer, hoping they're going to opt out. And then you re up, like you said, for like a two for 35 deal. Yes. Yeah. That all checks out. I I, I think you explained that one perfectly. Um, All right. Let's go to injuries and then we'll do miscellaneous news and tweets. Uh, We covered a lot of these injuries, but uh, if you're a Braves fan right now, Freed is on the 15-day injury list uh, due to a blister on his left index finger. He will be eligible for the NLDS, but Charlie Morton won't be due to inflammation in his right index finger. Again, the Braves lineup has been great all year, and this team's been such a juggernaut, but I have a Braves fan friend, my buddy Jay, who's very nervous about the Braves right now. How do you feel um, knowing that your ace is going to be banged up or your co-ace with Strider, and you're not going to have Morton who – you know, the regular season at this time is ups and downs, but this is a guy over the last six, seven years has been as good as any pitcher in baseball in the playoffs. I'd say every year in baseball, or what we've been seeing lately, one dominant team makes the series and one out of nowhere team makes the series. If you're a Braves fan, you you think you're going to be the dominant team that gets all the way. I just... But that's I but that's just like ridiculous logic. There's no real logic. There's no real I look at, I look at those injuries, and to your point, I'm starting to like the Brewers more and more and more. I'm telling you, man. Orioles, Diamondbacks. Spoiled next week, but I'm calling it. I called in late May. I'm sticking with it. Orioles, D-backs. Sharpie. Brandon Lowe, four to six weeks with a kneecap injury, as we mentioned. Twins losing some of their infielders. Royce Lewis, 10-day injured list due to a left hamstring strain. Correa, 10-day injured list due to plantar fasciitis in the foot. 
I see that if I'm a Twins fan, all we heard of free agency was the foot. Here comes the foot. <laughs> I, he's he's a tough guy to root for. I would. Ryan Mountcastle injured list due to uh, inflammation in the AC joint of his left shoulder. Riley Green for the Tigers, surgery on his right elbow. He's done for the year. Nick Madrigal, 10-day injured list, uh, retroactive to Alex, September 17th. Alex Cobb's regular season ended, 15-day injured list with a left hip impingement. Uh, Brandon Crawford, 10-day injured list due to a hamstring strain. Could see his last game, may have played his last game ever as a Giant. Um, a guy who I think would get a plaque, but not a retired number for the Yankees type of player. Uh, Wilson Contreras, 10-day injured list due to tendonitis in his left wrist. A lot of injuries late affecting playoff teams. We'll see how that all shakes out. Uh, one guy I actually want to throw some love to when we were talking about Correa, about a guy who left Houston and has been so-so. You look up Alex Bregman's numbers this year. No. Has he been bad? No, he's kind of back. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be what he was in 2019 when everyone was hitting the shit out of the ball. But on baseball reference, five war, five war, 24 homers, 100 runs, 96 ribbies, 802 OPS. He's a good player. Hey, and he's going to no hit free agency it. again at 30. Ooh. Interesting. No Tigers. I, I hate him more than anything. I'd love for him to be a Yankee. Guy competes. Reunite him with Colt. Bring him over. Bring him over. I'd love it. All right. Miscellaneous news. Um, congratulations to Sean Doodle on a great career. He retired after 17 years of professional baseball, spent the season with the Nationals organization, trying to make a comeback from UCL surgery, uh, but just left the 10 and two third minor league innings. Um, very good career, career, good relief pitcher in the 2010s, uh, two-time all-star, huge part of the 2019 world series nationals, both on and off the field and in the community, 415, two third innings, three, two ERA and 11 big league seasons, two, four, two ERA and 22 and a third innings in the postseason. 112 saves, three more in the playoffs, 82 holds. Uh, he's made over 26 million in his career. Great. I mean, again, and, and when I think of like eccentric lefties, I think of him and Brent Suter. You know, tall lefty had the goggles. Big guy in the community. Great TV presence. Will likely have a future in baseball in some capacity. Um, but a guy that some people would say was the heart and soul of that 2019 Nationals World Series team. So, congratulations to Sean Doolittle on a very good big league career. Was drafted 17 years, long time. Well, 17 years of professional baseball, 11 in the bigs. That's still a long time. And it's a great story. He was drafted in the top 40 by the A's as a position player, remade himself as this pitcher. Yeah, he goes in the – probably won't be telling my kids about him, but good career. Fun sporkle answer. Uh, Matt Moore on the move yet again. Third time. In his retirement tw uh, tweet speech, if you want to call it that. Yeah, he said that he, he's a, an immaculate grid answer. Matt Moore was claimed by the Marlins, helped shore up their bullpen. Uh, he went from the Angels to the Guardians to the Marlins. Uh, unfortunately, he won't be eligible for the postseason now, but whirlwind couple months for Matt Moore. Did you hear about the big trade that happened this week? No. Vlad Jr. got traded for Jose Ramirez in the Dominican League. Um, the Toros del Estele. Uh, required uh, Vlad Jr. in exchange for Ramirez. Could be a big Dominican League move. And anytime I get to say that J-Ram got traded for Vlad, it's a fun random one. I, that, yeah, sure. So if I had said to you, um, 
let's talk about the A's and Miguel Cabrera real quick. If I had said if I had said to you that the A's take out the fact that they would be getting a bottle of wine for a known recovering alcoholic, but if I were to say to you that the A's were getting Miggy a bottle of wine to celebrate his career, what would the Bavada over under for cost on that would have been in your mind? Twenty four hundred because it's his number. Okay, so they spent $90 on a bottle of wine to honor Miggy. Um, they signed it from the entire team. But again, I mean, you look at some of the other gifts. They've been so extravagant. Like the Yankees gave him a New York City subway sign signed by the team. The Dodgers gave him a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Like great creative stuff. And this is just the A's being the A's for a couple of reasons. One, the recovering alcoholic part is the most important. You're just so tone deaf for that. Two, you have to know that people are going to look up the bottle of wine and you got them a $90 bottle of wine. Just pitiful by the Oakland A's. And I do wonder, do you think that the team signing it brought the bottle of wine up or down in value? Down. Down in value. Unless you're going to do hit me with the whole wine ages and that's how it gets its money argument. And maybe, maybe one of these A's turns out to be a solid big leaguer. This A's team is off. Like that, that's sad. They, just move the team. Get him a fucking slap machine and really commit to this Vegas thing. It's just a really bad look for the organization at large. But, you know, this is a team that shot itself in the foot now for many, many years. And this is just another example. Honoring a first bout Hall of Famer with a cheap bottle of wine. Not even a good one. Uh, Ladies out there, if I show up to your crib with an $80 bottle of wine, that, that, that's, a, that's a good gift from me. But I don't Yeah, yeah just to be clear, just to be clear. We are not billionaires. We do not own Old Navy or The Gap. We wear it. But we do not we we own it, but we do not own it. <laughs> we own those old navy jeans. That, that's our thing. Yeah. All right, treats of the week. Talking baseball. The Pirates are down nine nothing, entering the sixth inning and beat the Reds 13-12. It was their largest comeback in franchise history, dating back to 1882. Uh Pirates been around a long time. All right, you ready for some good Yankee bashing? Let's do it. This is from Codify yesterday. They could have Yankees could have hits in all of their next 150 at bats, and they'd still have an average below the league average. On to the next. Um, it is also there that this is from Katie Sharp that the third team since 1900 to have their starting pitcher get 13 strikeouts and no walks and lose by five plus runs. That's impressive. Christopher Sanchez is the first MLB pitcher with 10 plus strikeouts via changeups uh, since Luis Castillo in 2019 in a single game. Sticking with the Phillies from Sarah Langs, Michael Lorenzo, 10th pitcher to throw a no hitter and record a save in the same season. Yeah, he has not continued his all-star form. How many switch hitters in baseball history do you think have 300 home runs? Four. Ten. Carlos Santana just became the tenth. Sneaky, very good career. Sneaky, solid career. And and, and he turned himself into a very good first baseman after coming up as a catcher. And kind of profiling like a DH or whatever oh, that's done. Um, all right, let's talk about Julio. He currently leads the league at hits and is in the top three in RBIs and steals. The last player to do all of that would have been Minnie Minoso in 1957. And him and Bobby Witt are the only players with 120-plus extra base hits and 60-plus steals in their first two seasons. I know it's a Julio stat, but Bobby Witt Jr., hopefully Kansas City can be better at, at some point during his career because he's really good. Yeah, he's uh, at this point, he has gotten to that level, in my opinion. Like I would expect in next year fantasy baseball, he'll be a projected first time. Oh, yeah, big time. Um, Juan Soto, 
27 on base. Uh, he's currently on a 27 game on base streak. And during that streak, he had his 120th walk for the season. The only three players ever with three straight 120 plus walk seasons, Ruth, Gehrig, Ted Williams, Barry Bonds. And I'm going to have to look this guy up. Eddie Yost. Eddie Yost. Ned Yost. Ned Yost. Eddie Yost played for the Washington Senators. Okay, so not a recent guy. No, uh, and for a guy I haven't heard of at all, he was only a one-time All-Star, but 1,600 career walks and walked over 123 times, seven times in a season. All righty. Good players we haven't heard of. Uh, from ESPN, Ronald, 160th career homer. He's the youngest player uh, in the first ever. Oh, he's an NYU alum. Go Violets. Ronald, first twenty, first player um, at the age of 25 or younger with 160 homers and 160 steals in their career. Uh, the Brewers, in clinching their playoff berth, uh, Roddy Telez was the first position player to pitch in the final inning of a game on a day their team clinched a playoff spot in 120 years. And they're the fourth team in MLB history to clinch a playoff spot on a day they won by 15-plus runs. Um, Judge, it's his fourth season with six multi-homer games, tied for the most in MLB history with McGuire, Poppy, Babe Ruth, and Jimmy Fox. And his 35 home runs are tied with Rudy York in 1937 for the third most by a player with 108 games or fewer played. Not bad. From Optostats, the Marlins are the first NL team to allow 16-plus runs in a game in which their starter did not allow a run since the Cardinals in 1915. That's impressive. Evan Sheehan of the Dodgers is the only pitcher in the modern era to pitch four plus innings and finish with no hits allowed and back-to-back starts against an opponent, which for him is even more significant because he did against the Giants. From ESPN, the Braves have won 24 straight games when their starter goes six innings, breaking a tie with the 35 Cubs and the 1931 Phillies for the longest single-season streak since the man went to its current distance in 1893. This is from Cespedes Barbecue. Fun baseball list. Eight players with 300 home runs and 300 steals. Any guesses on some of them? 300 300? Yep. A-Rod, Bonds. Palmero, does he sneak on this list? I'll give you I'll give you an extra one. A-Rod, this, Bonds. A-Rod, uh, Bonds, Bonds. No, the brother Bonds. Is this the uh, – is this one of those sneaky Bobby Abreu things? No. <laughs> it's a good ask, though. He, he finds his way on these random – I'll give you I'll give you hints for the three other obvious ones. Ricky? Um, nope. Think Big Mole, not good on television. Big Mole, not good on television? Cheater. A cheater with a big mole that's not good on television? Looked at famously looked at a curveball to end a series. Beltron. Okay. Um played for the Cubs, the Hawk. Dawson. The say hey kid. Willie Mays, that one was pretty And now why this list is fun, Steve Finley and Reggie Sanders. I would not have gotten those. Guaranteed. It's a fun list. Kyle Schwarber is the 13th player since 1920 with an 120 walk, 100 run, 100 ribby, 45 homer season. And this is why war doesn't mean everything, because if you're going to tell me a guy like that is invaluable, I'm going to call you a fucking idiot. He is an anomaly. He may be the most fascinating player in baseball right now. It's good to watch. Freddie, first first baseman with 200 hits, 20 homers, and 20 steals in a season. Ever? Yep. 
This is from Jason Stark. Never in history had a hitter and a pitcher on the same team reach 200 strikeouts on the same night. It happened two nights in a row this week. Schwarber and Zach Wheeler Monday and Eugenio Suarez and Luis Castillo Tuesday. That's a fun game for the Vance of the You should have gone. From baseball quotes. Um, and this is a video, so I'm not doing it justice, but it's a video of Vince Scully calling a game from 2008. And the pitching matchup was supposed to be Randy Johnson versus Greg Maddox. And you know what the fans got in its replacement? Ooh, I'd imagine not that. Max Scherzer versus Clayton Kershaw. Wow. Pretty what amazing. Kind of that? Four first ballot Hall of Famers were all probable starters on the same game at one point. So it would have been Maddox and Kershaw against Scherzer and Randy Johnson. Yeah, I think I'm going. I think I'm going Scherzer and Randy Johnson. Me too. I would be terrify me. I, I'm scared. I'm scared just thinking about that. That's a scary duo. Yeah. Uh, this is also from Baseball Quotes. One of my favorite stats: Joe DiMaggio during his hitting streak, 408, 463, 717, 1.181 OPS. Ted Williams during his hitting streak, during DiMaggio's hitting streak. 412, 540, 684, 1.224 OPS. Yeah, Ted Williams. People say he's the best hitter ever. Makes sense. There's definitely a case to be made there. Well, Ted Williams won the Triple Crown, the hitting streak here. So Ted Williams won the Triple Crown twice and didn't win the MVP either year. People did not like Ted Williams. He is a well known douchebag. And last, but certainly not least, a tweet from Buster only, and I waited till the very end of the podcast to bring this up. Oh I mentioned I I mentioned I attended the Yankee game Thursday, last game of the year for me. And part of it was to see who threw out the first pitch. And 50 Cent has some company because Stephen A. Smith had one of the worst first pitches I have ever seen. It's almost karma for how flippantly and terribly he talks about baseball on ESPN every week. Um, so this is a tweet from Buster only. Four pitches at Stephen Smith, and I've never bounced one. Keep trying. Can't bounce it. If I I think the move is I'd want to airmail it instead of bounce it. Right? You want to at least show that you have the arm strength to do it? It was superb. All of it was just superb. Watching Stephen A. eat crow and walk off the mound in shame. It really put a smile on my face. Hey, people don't like him. And Shannon keeps going, I'm scared. I haven't watched it since they've been together. Um, all right. Any concluding thoughts for this week's podcast? It's 3.45 Eastern time, so I'm about an hour and 45 minutes from eating. And thank God because uh, your boy is getting hungry. Um, Nothing really. Maybe I had something but forgot it, so I guess it wasn't that important. Uh, it'll be nice to see you in New York this week. Looking mm-hmm. forward to some in-person hanging. Uh, last week of the regular season, like we said, a lot of playoff races are coming down to the wire, which is exactly what Rob intended. So, Stay tuned for that. Award raises are pretty wrapped up, but you know, you never know when something historic might happen. And uh, postseason next week, we'll have a postseason preview. That'll be cool. With Bryce Holden, my name is Chase Mdorsky. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Have a great week. <laughs>